Today we are talking about everything Amazon. We're gonna talk about the platform. We're gonna talk specifically about how to grow your business on the platform. My guest is Mike Begg. He is, he's an Amazon expert for sure. If you are connected to him on LinkedIn, you'll see, I think it's almost daily posts uh, with his thoughts about Amazon, tips about Amazon. You know, the guy lives, lives, eats, breathes Amazon. He's the co-founder and CEO of AMZ Advisors that, you know, they're, they're helping businesses grow on Amazon. He's also the co-founder of Go Advance, which is uh, a company that I think is, is a little bit newer. They help U.S. companies, uh, U.S. brands expand to Latin America. The reason for that is Mike lives in Latin America now. He's uh, originally from Connecticut. Uh, he's actually recording from Connecticut right now. We just talked about that. That's where I'm from. So we're, uh, even though we're not in the same room, we're very logistically close right now. Um, I was going to ask him about how good the weather was, but I know uh, that it, stinks because uh, I'm looking out at the same uh, crappy Connecticut winter weather. But uh, when he goes back to Mexico, um, it'll be a lot nicer. So he's from, he, he's currently living in Guadalajara, Mexico. And um, so he's, he's in Latin America and he can um, speak to, uh, you know, first person experiences and, and help those brands deal with all the red tape and getting, um, you know, getting into countries that from other podcasts that I've heard they need they need more inventory. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, there's all the, you know, trade logistics and things like that. So Mike can help you out with that. And, um, like I said, you know, Amazon's his life and, um, he started, I, you know, if I understand it correctly, he started with Kindle eBooks way, way back. And, and now he's helping big, big brands sell more millions of dollars on Amazon. So we're going to talk about that. And, uh, I just have some general questions about Amazon too. So welcome Mike. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jim. And that was quite the introduction. I think you touched on a lot of my story. So uh, okay. uh, hopefully I can keep it interesting for everybody else. Okay, good, good. Uh, so yeah, so you started with Kindle eBooks, right? That was that was your yeah. first Amazon experience. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me, you know, I, I've heard the story, but you know, the listeners may not have. Tell me wh- how you got from there to here. Yeah, so it's been definitely a long journey. Uh, when we... St- I first started learning that you can make money on Amazon when I was working in a corporate job uh, for Sears. I was working in the retail space and ironically, uh, Sears is no longer around. So uh, e-commerce has something to do with that. But I started learning that you could sell products online and it started with the eBooks because the eBooks seemed like the lowest risk way to try it. Uh, Essentially, you just had to create a book once, publish it, put a cover on it. And with Kindle publishing platform, essentially, you just earn a royalty on every sale you get from Amazon. So all the eBooks that are on there, uh, Amazon even has a book printing service to sell physical books. Uh, you just made money from every single sale you got. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, let's give it a shot. And ended up writing about 10, 20 books, uh, started making money that way. And it wasn't anything crazy. It was a couple hundred dollars a month. And I kind of got hooked from there. And I started obviously being getting on the email lists uh, of people in the Amazon space. And I realized that you could start selling physical products on the platform. And I was a little bit intimidated to begin with. I didn't want to you know, go buy a bunch of inventory of something and not have it sell. So I, I gave it a try through something that's called retail arbitrage. And with retail arbitrage, it's essentially going to your local Walmart, your local Target, seeing what's on clearance, buying it, and then putting it on Amazon for sale. And did that 
uh, with myself and a couple couple friends. We ended up making about ten thousand dollars from that, and we were like, "All right, this is pretty cool. This is good. Let's, okay, <laughs> yeah, this is working. Uh, let's try building our own brand." And from there, we started uh, importing product from China. We were selling art supplies on Amazon, and that's uh, kind of where it all started. Uh, from there, we just kept learning about how to sell more, how to be more efficient with your advertising, your marketing, everything, and it eventually evolved into the agency that I have today. And so it, from from our previous conversations and the other podcasts that, that I've listened to, if I understand it correctly, AMZ Advisors is really the lesson, you know, I, I'm sure it's evolved since then, but it's the lessons you learned, like what what you did that worked and what you did that didn't work. And now you can you know, spread that uh, knowledge on to clients you work with. Is that? That's exactly what it is. I mean, we started in the art supply category and art supplies in general online, well, in general anywhere, is dominated by Crayola. Uh, right. We were in those categories competing against Crayola and we realized, hey, like this is uh, this is pretty doable. Like we can we can help other brands do this because they clearly don't know what they're doing. If we're some, you know, four guys in an apartment in Stanford uh, figuring out how to sell these products. And from there, we were actually lucky. We were at a time where Amazon was growing quickly. A lot of brands didn't know what they were doing. Uh, we ended up with working with a couple big brands, uh, Burt's Bees. Uh, Plackers, Rembrandt, Whitening, um, some really, really big consumer brands. And that gave us a lot more exposure into how to do things at scale. When we had massive $100,000, $200,000 budgets uh, for advertising to spend, we had to figure out how to actually deploy all that money. And uh, we learned about how to do it from the startup standpoint, from doing it ourselves, and then how big corporations do it as well. Right. So it's a lot of numbers. I'm assuming then, you know, you're looking at, you know, a, a percentage point of a percentage point makes a big difference. I assume when you're dealing with that kind of number. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were pretty significant numbers and, uh, yeah. it was pretty awesome to, to see everything uh, and how it went. So when you started the art, uh, retail arbitrage, is that right? I got yep. that right. When you started that Amazon, it, it sounds like it was, is that 10 plus years ago or, you know, it's, yeah, it was, it's, it was 10 so years. So it's the wild west of Amazon. How has that changed as far? So now you're representing the big brand. So if you happen to be representing Crayola, and, and I know one of the other things you did was white label um, in, in the art supply space. But if you, in the arbitrage space where you're taking a brand that exists and you're reselling it, how have you, now that you're on the other side, are you battling against that? You know, when you're okay. dealing with, you know, you know, you're sort of fighting against, you know, old you, is that something that you have to deal with all the time where, you know, quality might not be the same and yeah. you know, they might be selling it under their, the, the price of the company that is now in charge of it. Like how, how are you handling that? I guess. It is, it, it's a constant battle. And, I, and at the end of the day, I mean, there are a lot of brands that don't actively sell on Amazon that are household brands, things that you might be able to buy at the grocery store. I mean, they don't focus on the direct to consumer piece. They focus on how do I get into the store? Right. Uh, when the brands make that shift to like, hey, I want to run the D2C channel, uh, that's when it gets really complicated. And that's a lot of the work where we do. Uh, it's like, you're right. You're, we're battling. We're trying to enforce MAPs. We're trying to make sure the product quality is correct. We're, we're doing, we have a lot of more tools now to enforce things than we did when than someone would have had against us when we were being the, the ones doing the arbitrage. Like it, was, it was the Wild West. You know, it was, you know, at that point, exactly. any, anything went, things as they get bigger and more established that that changes for sure. Uh, exactly. Do you, so. What part, no, so I, I know Amazon does some of the, 
know, I guess there's a lot of talk about how Amazon battles spam and fake reviews and, and you know, nefarious sellers, let's say. But aside from reporting something on Amazon, will you directly reach out to a seller and communicate with them? Like, is that part of what you do as well? Like if they're consistently selling low quality or lower price products than, you know, the brands that you're representing? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, uh, I mean, I, I don't personally do it, but we have two right, members to do it. We have to send, uh, sometimes we'll have to send cease and desist uh, letters uh, before actually trying to escalate it until the point where we need to bring in uh, potential legal teams. Uh, that's obviously the last resort. We don't want to go that way using what, the tools we have available to us on the Amazon platform and some simple uh, tactics like cease and desist. That's usually the way that we're battling most of them right now. Okay. And so that, so obviously that's one of the ways to, to grow is to get, you know, get, get rid of that competition. That's not necessarily, um, correct. Yeah. But obviously I'm going to guess that's not the bulk of what you do. So it, tell me a little bit about the bulk of what you do. So I'm, I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with making sure they're showing up as high as possible in the results that they're, that you're spending money correctly on the search terms that you're spending ads against that um you know their their reviews are that close to five star is that is that kind of what what you're doing for these brands yeah it's a variety of different things i mean we look at it from a bunch of different perspectives is uh first of all what does the merchandising look like on the platform and merchandising is a term that we actually borrow from retail uh it's how do i make my product look better uh, or how do i potentially upsell my product so it might be, uh, I sell a one pack, let me create variations of two and three packs, or let me create variations of different flavors. How do I maximize the visibility essentially is what merchandising comes to. Uh, and that also includes running promotions, discounts, cross-selling, and a variety of different aspects that way. Uh, SEO is obviously another extremely key aspect of online commerce. And what we do from an SEO standpoint is related to how products show up on search result pages uh, for different keywords. The algorithms that manage Amazon are much different than Google. They're much more related to conversions and searches uh, and sales velocity than, uh, whereas Google might be more related to, to well, now it's more related to the value of the content, uh, link building references, like all of that type of stuff. Uh, so SEO on Amazon is much different. And then finally, it's advertising is how do we take advantage of all the ad space on Amazon to maximize the visibility of our brand and put it in front of as many potential buyers as possible. Okay. So when you're saying the SEO part of it, are you saying that you write copy with both Google and Amazon? In my, and obviously, Amazon is the primary, the primary source for this, but are yep. you also looking at how to get that to show up on a search off of Amazon as well? So that's actually one of the the phenomenal benefits of uh, Amazon is from an SEO standpoint, the, the domain authority, you can't really get much better. So a lot of times if you have really well written content uh, on Amazon, it's organically going to index very well on Google because when you search, uh, I don't know, coffee mug on Google, you're probably going to get at least one Amazon result on the first three. So uh, it's okay. one of the benefits is that we're doing SEO for the Amazon platform, but it has a knock-on effect that it, there will also be some ranking within Google. Um, now, from a discoverability standpoint, where am I going to get the most out of that SEO? It's going to be Amazon because right. uh, when 70% of product searches start on Amazon now. So when someone is looking for something, they're going to Amazon. And 
if you can index correctly to be one of those top three results, you're going to get a ton of clicks and a ton of free organic traffic that way. Okay. And then, and then the next piece is, so you've gotten them to show up organically or not. And then the next piece is the advertising. So is that a, like, how are you analyzing that data? Is it similar to a Google ads campaign where, you know, essentially you're looking at, you know, what the spend is versus what the the lifetime value of that, that client is and just making sure that it makes sense at that time that for that customer is it is similar yeah. similar to yeah. that? Yeah, it is similar. Uh, so we don't have a ton of visibility into into being able to track customer lifetime values on the platform. So a lot of times we rely on data from our clients' websites or, or our client Shopify stores where they have a better uh, history of what customer lifetime value is. But we use that to guide our decisions around customer acquisition costs. So from an advertising okay. standpoint, we are essentially starting with the low hanging fruit. Uh, I mean, Amazon's what people go to buy as well. So the conversions are much higher than what you see on other websites. So how do we pl- position ads primarily to make people buy? Then kind of moving up, how do we start targeting competitor brands with our advertising uh, to get customers going to those pages considering our brand? And then finally, how do we create a brand awareness? So we're kind of targeting all aspects of the sales funnel uh, with our advertising. It's just that it's much more direct measurement at the bottom of the funnel where people are ready to buy. Uh, and you know, from our standpoint, it's a lot on performance. If we're not generating ads that are generating sales, clients are not going to be yet. Right. And is, is I, you know, this is, I'm, I've not sold anything on Amazon and I've never advertised on Amazon. So I'm, I'm a newbie at this, but is an ad on Amazon essentially just a, a, a listing that has been, you know, when I see like a um, sponsored listing, is that is that an ad or are there other, like I I can't think of any other ads that I've seen, but is that essentially your ad cost? It's just moving it higher up in the in the search listing. Is that is at yeah, its basic I, level is that? Is there anything else beyond that or is that, that it? That's, that is the most basic level. Uh, there's the ad inventory that Amazon has is immense. Uh, within the platform itself, there's those types of ads you're referring to. The the banners that show up at the top is another type of ad. At the bottom okay. of the pages, you'll see uh, other ad placements for related products, four star plus, like a variety of different things. On the product pages, right below where your bullet points are, where the buy box is, where you actually go to purchase it, there's other ad placements there. Uh, you can also leverage off-platform placements. Uh, you can leverage TV placements. There's there's almost a million different ways to actually advertise using the Amazon platform. It, it gets very complex for brands compared to how things were 10 years ago to actually be able to leverage all of these and turn them into something that makes sense from a standpoint of how do I actually build out a sales funnel. Okay. Now those, I, I guess I've never paid attention to this, but those suggested products below can you buy exclusivity that that won't be is that or no you can't that that can be your competitor right sitting right there on your page yeah and I mean, everything nothing on, you can do about it <laughs> yeah exactly everything <laughs> on the platform is similar to google in the sense that it's a, a second price auction uh, so as long as if you're not winning the uh the bidding on everything like anyone can show up there so it's very important for brands that are concerned about customer churn uh, to make sure that they're advertising on their own uh, listings, 
in a way to make sure that their competitors aren't sneaking in there. Advertising on their own keywords is another way that you need to be defensive with your advertising. So okay. uh, there's a lot of different ways that you need to think about the advertising from how do I keep customers loyal? How do I keep them coming back to me? How do I prevent churn? Uh, and how do I find people that are in market, in category, and ready to buy? Okay. And so when you said you, you're advertising against competitors, are you literally doing the opposite of that? Like you're advertising, you're making sure you're, you're, you're listing showing up under their suggested products and you're obviously going again, you have similar keywords if they're a competitor. So you're obviously advertising against the keywords. Okay. Got it. That's exactly um, what we do. How it's, how do we maximize visibility? How do we try to poach when we can clients from another brand and how do we just make the brand more discoverable for people that might be interested in this, but doesn't even know this product or this solution exists. Okay. Now I've heard, I heard you talk about this a little bit um, on another show, but I think it was from a while ago. So I don't know if it's changed, but like, how does, how do you manage prime day? So it's <laughs> massive traffic. It's, you know, when everyone talks about Amazon all the time, but it's when most, you know, it, it is in the, the daily conversation um, on prime day. So everybody's on there, they're shopping for deals. Are you spending more on Prime Day? Are you pulling back because you know people are coming? Do you, you know, I know you mentioned on that podcast, you're worried about inventory. So that obviously makes sense. You don't want to run out, but you know, how do you manage the advertising part on a day like that with, you know, that huge, huge spike in traffic? It's challenging. I mean, from a spend standpoint, you're looking at seeing, you know, three times worse ROAS in the actual advertising uh, performance oh, that wow. you've been getting okay. before that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's a ton of people just throwing money everywhere and trying to get results. And it's honestly gotten to a point where we don't focus on pushing so much on Prime Day uh, for a few different reasons. One is that you need to be able to run pretty large discounts to even get visibility. If you're not offering 30, 40% off, customers just don't care. Uh, they're there to buy their there to save money they're there to buy things that are on uh on great deals and if you don't have the margins or, or even the capability to do it at that point we kind of just push brands away from it okay i would say that the one time regardless of uh of what your price point is or what your profitability is going to be the one time it does make sense to spend a lot of money is that if you are in a product category that has very high customer lifetime value uh, it's a great okay. opportunity for you to convert uh, new potential customers. So if someone is in market or in category and is interested in purchasing a product or is trying to find it, let's say uh, we work with a lot of supplements. So I usually use uh, protein powder as an example. If they're trying to find a new protein powder for the for their gym workouts. They might give a shot because protein powder in general is kind of expensive. You get a good discount on it. If they like it, maybe they come back and buy again. So that's when it makes sense for us to spend a lot. If you have like a product that a customer is going to buy once uh, and not come back to it, we don't even recommend spending that much on Prime Day because between the increased okay. advertising cost and the amount of deals that you're going to need to give, uh, the amount of discounts you're going to need to give to get the visibility to even get results from the advertising, it just doesn't make sense for most brands. Okay. So that makes sense. Um let me ask you this question. What let's I, I realize so you work with brands that sell a million ish dollars in sales in a year, and your job is to grow them to 10 plus. But let's say you're just starting out um, and you're about to hit Amazon for the first time. You got a product, you've been selling it, you know, to the brick and mortar world. 
what's the most common thing you see, you know, so what, you know, that, when that brand comes to you, that million dollar brand, like what have they, what are they most likely to have done wrong? <laughs> like, you know, when you, when you see them, like when you're like, I can't believe you've been doing this for the last three years, you know, you obviously, you know, you, you're selling a million dollars, but you easily could have been selling, you know, three, if you didn't make these common mistakes or these ridiculous mistakes. I think a few, it falls into a few different categories. I would say the first category is not protecting uh, their brand in the sense that they may have these people arbitraging their products. They may have people undercutting their sales. They may be losing the percentage of the, the buy box. All of that is just lost revenue. I think that's the what the first thing that most brands don't understand. I think the second thing is not really understanding the data or not understanding where to get the data from. Uh, Amazon is a fairly complex platform uh, and it can be difficult and confusing to, to really find the reports you're looking for, the reports you need to see. It's very common where we see products that have low conversion rates, uh, that maybe have low click-through rates. All of these are signs that we need to improve things. And most brands just don't know the correct way to kind of digest that information, especially if they're non they're non-online uh, native brands. I mean, if they, they were traditional brands, it's even harder for them to understand how to use online metrics or online advertising metrics to actually improve uh, their products. And the other thing I would say is just not investing enough. A lot of brands become too concerned about profitability. And if they don't see the direct sales or they don't see the ROAS that they get on other platforms, they're kind of just you know, like hurting themselves by not actually investing enough into the platform. And actually, I would say there is one more thing. A lot of brands object to spending a lot of money on Amazon because of that. And the fact that they don't have access to customer data on a firsthand basis. So okay. if you drive traffic, you know, what, a, lot of, a lot of the objections we hear is, why should I pay for ads to drive people to Amazon when I don't get the customer details versus when I can spend the money on Google, push them to my website, get them to purchase there, and then I capture the customer email and I can market to them for the for you know, the rest of life. And it really comes down to discoverability. Uh, you want to be discovered on Amazon. You want those people to find you. And then hopefully they'll come by from you and other sources where you can actually capture those emails. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's then changing somebody's habits and that's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I, I have kind of a love hate relationship with, with Amazon, but I will go out of my way to purchase a product from them because I know it's, easy to get shipped. It's easy to return. It's been somewhat vetted. You know, that's my biggest issue is the, <laughs> the vetting. I have a question for you about that in a second, but <clears throat> I'll find it. You know, if I don't know this small brand now, if I've then been purchasing this small brand for a while, then I might go to their website, you know, but if I don't know is, you know, to me, it's, it, I use it as a window shopping thing. We always have a pile of returns and once a month we go, uh, it's either Kohl's or staples now where you just you bring them in and you hand them the stuff and it's it's easy out to pack anything up it's like such an easy return process and for me that makes it worth it so i think those brands you know the reason why you don't spend it on google ads is because you then have to convince a person who wants to purchase on amazon to purchase from your website and they might not know you you know i guess if there are if there are burt's bees that's different um uh, but yeah. even then i would probably go out of my way to buy burt's bees if i was in the market for that from Amazon because I know I could easily return it. I don't know how to return Burt's Bees to them. I don't know. They might, it might not be easy. They might not have the same return policy. They might not have the same. I know the quality would be the same. I know the price would be the same, but you know, Amazon has set up this very, you know, easy interface for the 
for the consumer. And that's, that's why they're so big. Yeah. And I mean, you just, you just nailed it. I mean, it, it all comes down to convenience. The convenience of Amazon is part of the reason why so many people buy from them. It's partially trust as well. But when you look at actual conversion rates, the average conversion rate on Amazon is about 8%. Uh, compared to what we wow. see on most Shopify's <laughs> websites, it's like one to 3%. So uh, right. that is Amazing. another reason why it makes a ton of sense to invest into the platform. The cost and the advertising standpoint might be higher, but you're getting almost three times the amount of conversions by being on Amazon. So the variety of different factors, convenience, uh, trust, all of this plays into to why brands should be focused more on Amazon. Okay. Now, um, so this is one of my pet peeves on Amazon. And so the, the question here is, do you see a waterfall effect when a brand does spend more money? And, there, and aside from the obvious, which is reviews, which is really my pet peeve. So a little aside question is, I randomly every three or so months will come across a, it's usually a cheap product, uh, something techie where I... The price looks good and I go to check the reviews and the reviews are for clearly a different product. So how do you, have you, is there a name for this? Have you seen this? I would call it almost like reskinning a, a highly, uh, well-reviewed uh, yeah. product with something else that might be garbage. Uh, cause then you'll look and you'll see the most recent reviews are, you know, a bunch of two stars or one stars and, you know, but there's, you know, thousands of five stars. So I guess it's sort of a two-part question. Have you seen that? Is there a I hope there's a name for it because there should be. And and the the real question here is, do you see that water like you know when investing sort of begets you know better success? Yeah. So I would say to the first question, uh, the term. I mean, there's no defined term for it. We kind of call it review hijacking. Okay, review hijack. That's great. That's better than reskating. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think about it, there's there's uh, thousands of uh not even thousands probably millions of SKUs. like people myself like myself that started a brand built a brand got sales up to a certain point maybe it didn't work maybe they already had good reviews and they they stopped then what's very common for this especially with cheap products is uh like chinese uh, manufacturers will find these listings that were once active have the good review history they will come in and just change the uh the titles and everything to be their product list the new product update the images and now you essentially have a product that's cheap quality uh that has a, a sales history that has a review history and now it's showing up and looking a lot better than it is and the reviews aren't even relevant to the product so it can be a completely different category there so oh they literally don't so they don't even need i just assume they were like reselling this on the Amazon black market, they just literally have to put in a SKU for something that existed and that's it. Exactly. Every, essentially wow. every product that's ever <laughs> existed on Amazon has a unique identifier. And if they can identify the unique identifiers that had good reviews and are no longer live, then they can just take over the unique identifiers. Wow. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. So now I know how it happens. That's, that's crazy. Um, yeah. and so, and so, okay. So the, the real question here is, you know, we know why it makes sense to advertise on Amazon because that's where the eyes are. That's where the buying power is. That's where the credit cards are. That's where people want to buy from. So if you invest that initial investment, like you say, I'm in, I'm going to spend maybe more than I want to. Does that, you know, what are the benefits aside from you build up a bunch of five-star reviews? Is there any other, like, does Amazon, like, did they see the, the success and then 
you you grow based on that is that you know that's that sort of yeah i mean a lot of it feeds back into what i mentioned a little bit earlier about amazon's algorithm uh essentially the more and it's not direct i mean you could waste a bunch of money <laughs> and not get sure. results but if you are spending a budget and getting efficient sales getting results and your products uh rated well and reviewed well it essentially creates a flywheel within the Amazon platform. So uh, the way the algorithm works, as I mentioned, is based on uh, sales history. It's based on conversions, but those metrics are tied to a keyword level. So uh, I'm going to use the coffee mug example again. If I am searching the keyword, if me as a customer, I'm searching the keyword uh, coffee mug and I click a coffee mug and buy it, that signals Amazon that my product or the product I bought is relevant for the search term coffee mug. The more sales you get on those keywords, the more relevant Amazon thinks your product is for that keyword, the higher you show up in the search results. Now, tying this back into advertising, if I can push my ads to show up on the search term coffee mug more, more people are going to be buying on the, the keyword coffee mug. And that's going to start flying, uh, start setting flywheel in place. If my SEO is correct, I'm going to start moving up in the rankings, which is going to lead to more organic sales for the uh, search term coffee mug. And it's just going to keep feeding back into itself. It's a, it's a positive feedback. Okay. And the other thing is if I can bring traffic from outside of Amazon through Google ads or, or through affiliate marketing or other, other ways, it's again, just continuing to be a positive feedback because now I'm building my sales history my sales velocity. Uh, all of these things are very beneficial for how your product shows up on Amazon. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, that's very similar to how um, Google ads work. Same thing. You know, yeah. one, th I, I've seen number of times where paid ads drive organic traffic. And again, it's because you sent that ad, the person clicked on it, they, they liked it, they stuck around. Now Google is part of what they're analyzing, just like Amazon is, did this search work? Because yep. no matter how much you're paying them to a certain degree, they want they want you to be happy on their platform because if you're clicking on a bunch of stuff and then you leave, that's the worst case for them. So, well, that makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. So we've basically been talking about AMZ advisors. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about Go Advanced? So that's a newer company last couple of years, right? It's about bringing these types of brands. So it's consumer, is it all consumer brands? Yeah. yeah okay. All consumer bring, brands. Bring consumer brands from the US to Latin America, starting at Mexico, right? And then there's, there's two, is it Brazil and I forgot the other one, right? Or Columbia, there's three? Yeah. Brazil and Colombia. So tell me a little bit about that. Like it, it, part of it was by design, you you saw it firsthand, right? You're living in Mexico. So you personally saw it and the brands you're working with, there, there are a bunch of ro roadblocks to them selling um, in Latin America. So you're helping them with that. That's, a, that's more or less exactly what we do. So the way the idea came about was from a variety of different uh, issues that we were having. But uh, myself, one of my partners, uh, we live in Mexico full time. And essentially, we couldn't find products that we wanted from the US. He grew up, uh, he actually grew up in the UK. He grew up in Europe. I grew up in the US. So uh, living and moving to Mexico, we realized that it was kind of frustrating that, hey, I can't find this here. It's not available here. And the reason why is there's a variety of different challenges for foreign brands to get into Mexico and to get into each individual Latin American country. 
And it's that you typically need a business and to have a business, you need a business partner uh, from that country and to have a business partner, you obviously need to know someone and speak the language. So (laughs) there are a number of hurdles that foreign brands trying to get into the marketplace uh, struggle with. And what we do is we essentially hold their hand and help them get into these marketplaces without having to deal with all the headaches uh, of finding the finding the lawyers, dealing with the fiscal challenges, finding the business partners, all of that. We just distribute the products on their behalf uh, because we have businesses in these marketplaces. So yeah, that, that's high level what we do. Uh, we work with a lot of different brands and we're seeing varying success across different categories. But at the end of the day, the benefit is that we're helping brands get into new markets and we're helping consumers find more products that they want. Okay. Now, I know they're two separate companies, but you're involved in both. Is this something where if a company in the US is working with you uh, on one, AMZ Advisors, they grow, they ju- you you know, part of the conversations are, you know, you can grow even more by, you know, expanding your reach. Is that a, a, it's definitely know, something part of that it. you can do? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's you definitely can, part of the conversation. So we, there are a lot of benefits and a lot of overlaps, and that's kind of more of a, uh, it's more intentional than anything. Uh, I kind of sure. believe that in the being in the e-commerce space, it, it makes a lot of sense to iterate around other e-commerce ideas. Uh, and that's kind of where the, the the company came from. So yeah, it's it's very valuable for us because we're able to get brands that we know well, that we've been able to sell well, that we've gotten guaranteed success from in the US and then be able to immediately launch them in Mexico using essentially the same strategies that we were able to get them success with in the US. So uh, yeah, the two companies feed into each other well, and uh, I my involvement is on the AMZ side more than on the Goavan side. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 kind of how everything works. Okay, cool. I remember you saying that the types of products that are the least available in Latin America are, am I right? It's cosmetics, electronics, uh, supplements. Are those the three? Are there others that I'm? I'm forgetting. Those are, yeah. yeah, those are like the top categories. So if you're in the consumer electronics, the supplements, uh, health and beauty, uh, or cosmetic space, there's a lot of demand for those products. There's a lot of brands uh, that are not here. Uh, for example, this is a common example that I give. Again, I work in a supplement space, so I'm going to use that. Uh, there's a brand, the top selling protein powder in uh, Mexico is probably the 40th or 50 top selling protein powder in the US. So there are 40 (laughs) to 50 brands in front of them that are not in Mexico, that are just losing out on sales to this other brand. So it's very interesting uh, when you start looking at things that way. And those are some of the gaps that actually exist in the market. There's brands that may not be that successful or maybe in extremely competitive categories in the US, where if they come down to Mexico, they might start being one of the top sellers immediately. Right. And when arguably they're all the same being first is often a very huge advantage because now that product that is the first in mexico even if number one in the u.s came they would have a challenge ahead of them so uh you know doing it doing it sooner rather than later i assume is a is worth (laughs) worth doing there's yeah there's always a big benefit to being the first mover in any market but uh Apart outside of like household names that exist in the US and Mexico, uh, we're talking about brands that and categories that uh, maybe there's no established brand name in Mexico. And that's kind of where you can see that success by becoming the first mover, by getting those sales, uh, and then hopefully continuing to, to provide a great 
experience for the consumer from a customer standpoint uh, and everything. So Now, are they also, so I know fulfillment by Amazon is a big deal in the US. Um, is that the same in Latin America or is it, is, is it a similar program or um, how does that work? Yeah, so in uh, Latin America, it's essentially the same. I mean, it's, it varies country by country, but in Mexico, we have uh, fulfillment by Amazon as well, uh, FBA. So it's incredibly convenient. It's the service is almost essentially the same as the U.S. The shipping can actually be faster sometimes, which is interesting. Wow, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, the other big platform in Latin America is Mercado Libre, and that's another platform that we work on down there. And uh, likewise with the FBA program, Mercado Libre also has their own fulfillment program that you can get into uh, and essentially handle all of that for you. Now, uh, Brazil differs a little bit than Mexico. The fulfillment capabilities in Brazil are a little bit more challenging than they are in Mexico for a variety of different uh, infrastructure issues between the two countries. But yeah, that's essentially what we can do is we can get them into a warehouse, be able to send out consumer uh, orders or customer orders as they come in through the platforms and just kind of help them with that. So. That's great. So, okay. So that's your sort of client you'd want for, um, for uh, go advance, but what is, what is a perfect AMZ advisors client aside from that million dollar company looking to grow to 10? Like, is there, is it the same, you know, is it electronics supplements, cosmetics or is that, is that the, or is it anybody? I mean, are there any you don't like to work with? I mean, maybe that's the good question. Like who, who, who shouldn't sell on Amazon? Who's, yeah. what's the worst so, brand? <laughs> so worst ironically, so ironically, uh, in the U S side, we won't work with consumer electronic brands in Mexico. Oh, really? We will in the oh, U S won't huh. because okay. the, the U S is so competitive from different Chinese companies trying to sell consumer elect product, uh, electronic products in the U S. It's just not worth the hassle. I mean, they there's all types of black hat stuff that goes on between leaving bad reviews, fake reviews, reporting IP infringements, like all this type of stuff, which just makes it a nightmare to deal with in the US. This is exactly the reason we don't work with them. But in Mexico, there's not as much competition from them. And in fact, uh, not Mexico per se, but in Brazil and Colombia and some other countries, there are actually bans on Chinese products coming into the country. So uh, okay. the ability for foreign brands and consumer electronics is a lot, uh, or the ability to compete for foreign brands and elect, uh, consumer electronics categories in Latin America is a lot higher than it is in the US. Uh, but apart from those categories, uh, yeah, we do work a lot in supplements in the US, cosmetics, uh, pet supplies, uh, what else? Um, health and personal care, sporting goods, and baby products and toys. Cool, all right. So those are, Primarily high margin, seems like. Yeah. They're either high margin or they're consumable. Uh, so okay. we have repeat customers coming in. That's typically where most clients are going to see the most success on Amazon. If your product is low margin, it's going to be hard to compete with the fees on Amazon no matter what. Okay. Yeah. Or again, if you if you know someone's coming back monthly, if they're going to set up that subscribe and save. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That That's the big win. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much, Mike. I, um, I'm i so glad that I know now why those fake listings exist and how they do it. <laughs> that was, that's what that's been bugging me and my brother for a really long time. So um, that was the inside, the inside scoop on that was huge. Where can, where can businesses find you? So if someone wants to work with you, you know, where, where can they reach out? You know, what, 
what do you want to tell them if they uh, if they're they're looking to grow uh, from that one million to ten million dollar level? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to to grow in the U.S., we can definitely help you. The best way to get in touch with me is Mike at AMZAdvisors.com or directly at our website AMZAdvisors.com. We can also offer you uh, a free advertising audit if you're already on the platform. So we will look at all your advertising right now, identify all the areas where you're losing money and all the areas you could improve. Uh, if you're interested uh, in expanding to Latin America, you can contact us at goadvance.com or directly at my email, mike at goadvance.com. And on that side, we'll do a free analysis for you to identify uh, all the compliance issues, the customs issues, and what your margin will actually look like once you start selling in Mexico and in Latin America, because many times you will actually make more money in Mexico than you will make in the US. That sounds like a no brainer to me. Uh, well, again, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm sorry that uh, when we you leave this, you're going to walk out into crappy Connecticut weather instead of <laughs> uh, beautiful Mexico weather, but uh, safe, uh, safe travels back. And, uh, and again, thank you. So everybody reach out. We'll put all these links in the show notes. And we'll see you next week. Thank you again, Jim. Thanks.